This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. G'day, thanks for joining us again. My name's Nathan. I'm the lead pastor of LifeGate. We're going to continue our all-in series. We're going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. I encourage you to pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's your word that speaks to us. Give us ears and hearts that are open to you. Father, as I speak today, you'll give me your words to say. I'll speak clearly and in a way your people can understand. Guide me as I speak, and God, may it be like you're speaking. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've got three great kids. Here's here's some pictures of them. Um, Aiden's almost 14, Joel's almost 12, and Alicia's seven. And um, they're great kids. And uh, one of the ways that me and the boys particularly, a little bit with Alicia, but mainly me and the boys, display our love for one another is through wrestling. Now, this all wrestling started when the kids, when Aiden was very little, when Joel was very little, where we would um, go into my, my bedroom, get on the queen size bed, and we would wrestle. I would tickle them. I would jump on them. I would shake them and the kids would love it. They would laugh and cheer. They just thought it was the best thing ever. After a while, the uh, kids gave me a nickname and I was called Mr. Slam. And they said, Daddy, be Mr. Slam, Mr. Slam. And they would lay on the bed and I would dive on top of them and crash tackle them, slamming them, and they loved that. Then the kids got underpants and stuck them on their head as, as wrestlers and we'd wrestle and tickle and I'd sit on their chest and give them the typewriter. And it was just great. It was one of the ways that we showed our love for each other. And the best time to wrestle was at bedtime, just before the kids went to bed. Now, my wife hated that because it hyped them up, but the kids loved it. And so I'd, I'd get in trouble and the kids would go to bed and not sleep for like 30 minutes because of the uh, wrestling. Now, this wrestling in our house has continued. We are no longer do it on the queen size bed because the kids are too big. Aiden's like this big now. Our wrestling usually happens in, in the uh, lounge room. And let me say, our wrestling has got really rough. Not much tickling goes on. It's crash tackles. It's laying into each other. It's, it's rough. And when the kids were little, I could just, you know, put one hand and move them around and pick them up and put them down. Now, I need to use my whole body strength. I need to be all in in my physical ability to win, win these battles with my boys. One-on-one, easy. But when they get two on me, they can win. They can beat me. So I need to use all my physical strength. I need to be all in to defeat them and to overpower them. I uh, don't know if uh, you can relate to that story of wrestling with your kids and uh, being all in. But the uh, reason I share it is because we're in a series called All In. And just like I used all, I have to now use all my strength when I'm wrestling my boys. You know, God wants us to be all in. In, in our love for him, in our desire to serve him. When we talk about all in, we're talking about living a life that is all in for God, where we deliberately make choices that please him, where we recognize that this life isn't about me, but rather it's about God and his purpose. And he invites me to play my part in his story. It's a beautiful picture. And if we're going to be all in, like we've done in this series many times, it comes from two things. Number one, we need a desire for it. There needs to be something that within us that says, I want to honor you, God, with my life. 
And if you want that, if you need that, I encourage you to pray that our God will give you that desire within you to live a life that is all in, where the choices you make are for him, where you're thinking about him throughout the day and you're deliberately living a life that is honouring him. And that goes to the second thing, where we're deliberate. Throughout the day, when we have choices to make, we deliberately make choices to honour him. In this series, we've looked at a number of different people. And we've looked at Noah and Moses and Joshua. We've looked at the Pharisees, and now they were all in in the wrong places. And then last week, we looked at Jesus. And Jesus was all in to his father because he was willing to do the thing. He, he, he was willing to do the thing that he didn't want to do. And if we're going to be all in, we need to do, do the same. We need to be willing to do things that we maybe don't want to do, but they are, they're the things that God wants us to do. And we're to lay down our agenda and choose God's way, God's agenda for our lives. Today, I want us to continue to look at Jesus. And I want to look at the way Jesus loved people and how Jesus was all in in his love for people. And as we look at Jesus' life, as we look at how he loved people, we then learn how we are to love people. So today's message is entitled, Love Like Jesus. That's our title today. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write it down, Love Like Jesus. Our text today is from John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 34 through verse 35. Now, before we read it, let me give you the context. John chapter 13 is where Jesus is, um, is having his last meal. It's the Thursday night. Jesus is about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane that we looked at last week. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be beat up, flogged, and eventually crucified the uh, next day. And so it's a Thursday night before the Friday. Jesus has had the last Passover meal with his, with his disciples. And he's told them in this, in, this, in this meal that he's about to leave, that he's about to go to a place that they cannot come. Judas leaves and goes and betrays him. And as Judas leaves, Jesus then says, now's the time for me to be glorified and for my father to be glorified. I'm about to go. And he says, now that I'm going, I'm about to give you something new. And this is what we read from John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. This is what Jesus says. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Remember, Jesus is just about to be tried and executed, rise from the dead and leave them. And one of the last commands that Jesus gives his disciples, now that I'm going, I want you to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then in verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the text for today. And as we look at these verses, these, these are two verses, I want to pick out, pick out five things, five things from these verses. The first thing, when Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new commandment or I'm giving you a new command. Let's look at what the text, is, the text is. Jesus says, a new command I give you. Jesus gives them a new command. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the Pharisees and how the Pharisees added all these laws to God's law. And one of the things I said is that, is that, is that they had no right to do so. They added all these things that they, that they shouldn't have done. Here, in contrast, you have Jesus who's given them a new commandment. A new law. But the difference between the Pharisees and Jesus is that the Pharisees had no authority to do so, but Jesus did 
because he is God in flesh. And when God came as a man, Jesus the Son, he gave a new way of doing things, a new way of living, a new way of responding to God. And we call it the new covenant. The the, uh, the new way things are going to work between God and people, the new covenant. Now, as we compare the old covenant, the covenant that Moses gave us, to the new covenant, we see lots of different things. We see in the old covenant, it was around the sacrificial system. It was around the killing of lambs and goats and sheep as a way of covering over people's sins. In the uh, new covenant, we no longer kill sheep as a way of dealing with our sin because Jesus died for us on the cross and he made a way for all our sins to be forgiven. His one act deals with all people's sin. So there's a big difference between the the, the, two covenants. Another difference is the difference around the work of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit coming on certain people for a certain time. Whereas in the New Covenant, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in every believer. In the Old Covenant, we have the importance of the temple, the place where God would dwell and people would go to that place to worship him. Now, the Bible teaches us that we are the temple, that we are the building because the Holy Spirit lives in us. In the Old Covenant, they would have priests and the high priest who would represent the people to God and he would be the in-between guy. Now, Jesus is our high priest and we don't have to have priests or pastors or ministers to speak to God on our behalf. We can go to God directly through Jesus because he's our high priest. So the old, the old covenant's old. And if you're a believer, the old covenant is done, it's finished, it's dead, it's over because Jesus lived it perfectly for us. If you're a believer and you're listening to this, you're now called to live under the new covenant, the covenant of the Spirit, following the teachings of Jesus. And when Jesus walked on this earth, he brought in a new covenant, a new way of doing things. And so, we, and so as believers, we're called to follow the teachings of Jesus. So the first thing I want to point out about this text is that we see a new commandment a new way of doing things, and that commandment is love. That's what Jesus is about to say. This commandment is about how to do love. That's the first thing. The second thing we see in this text is that Jesus talks about who are we to love. Let's have a look at this text again. It says, a new commandment I give you. Jesus says, love one another. Now, notice the context here. He's speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper, at the last meal, He says, I'm going. I want you to love one another. Now, as we look at Jesus' teaching, we see him talking about who who we should love. And the reality is God wants us, Jesus wants us to love all people. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus says to love your enemies. (laughs) That's a big deal. In John chapter 4, we see him going to a Samaritan woman. And, 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 and And a Samaritan town all committing their life to Jesus as Jesus spent time with them. We are see um, Jesus talking, telling the story of the, of, the, of the Good Samaritan, how we're to love people of other cultures, people who aren't in our community group. We are see Jesus' love as he had compassion for people, as he fed them, as he healed them. And many of these people came to Jesus for what they could get out of Jesus. They weren't really interested in his teaching and following him. They were just interested in the healing and food. And we get told that in John chapter 6. And yet, Jesus loved them anyway. Even though they came to him for what they could get, Jesus loved them anyway and fed them and and healed them. 
We see Jesus' love in how he pursued broken people, how he pursued hurt people. And we're told in John 3.16 that God loves the whole world, that God loves all the people of this world, all that he's created. God loves them all with this general grace, this love that God has for people. But here in this text, Jesus is speaking specifically to his disciples, to the other followers of Jesus. And for us today, that is for Christians. As Christians, yes, we are to love the world, we are to love the poor, we are to love our enemies, all the things that Jesus says. But here specifically in John chapter 13, Jesus talks about us as believers loving each other. God wants God's church to love one another. He wants us to be in community. He wants us to be relating to each other, caring, loving, supporting one another. He wants us to be in community, loving one another. That's the second thing that we see. Who are we to love? Other Christians. We're to love the other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the first thing with the new commandment. The second one is who are we to love? The uh, third thing we see in this text is this. How are we to love? How are we to love? And the answer is like Jesus. Let's look at this text. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. How are we to love? Just like Jesus has loved us. Now it's interesting that back in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is asked by the religious leaders, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, he answers it in two ways. He answers it like this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. This is one of our texts for our all-in series as well. All your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And then look at verse 39. And the second Jesus says is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, it's really interesting as we look at what Jesus said around what the, what the old covenant said, around loving God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And, and the second part is about loving other people as you love yourself. Now, the thing about that love is that love is based on my strength and my ability to love. I'm called to love God with all my soul, mind, strength. It's based on my ability. And I'm called to love others based on how I love myself. And the reality is, we regularly don't love ourselves well. And therefore, if we're not loving ourselves well and we're supposed to love others like we love ourselves, that love is busted up. That love is broken. It's, it's fallen. There is a better way. And so loving God with all my stuff is based on my ability and strength, which isn't perfect. So that love is not, not the best. And then loving other people with how I love myself, which is also broken. So that love is not the best. So God... So Jesus gives us a new way to love. He says, love as I have loved you. Love as I has loved you. And that love is not based on my ability to love, but rather on Jesus' ability to love. Jesus, who is the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, the one who is perfect in every area and the perfect example of love and who loved perfectly. So so the bar goes from love your neighbour as yourself, love God with all your ability. That's the bar here in the law. And then Jesus comes in with a whole new way, a whole better way. And he says, I want you to love others like I've loved you perfectly, wonderfully. Incredible, isn't it? So then I asked the question, so how did Jesus love? 
Let me give you a few things. The first, now, how did Jesus love? I could come up with hundreds. And if I asked you and sat down with you and we opened the scriptures together, we could come up with many, many, many ways that our Jesus loved people. But I just picked, I just picked a few today. Here's the first one. He made time for people. You know, as we look at Jesus' life, he was in demand. People wanted his attention. People came from all over the place to hear what he said, to get the healings, and he was really busy. His capacity was full, and yet he still made time for the people who were closest to him, his disciples. He ate with them. He talked with them. He answered their questions. He went to parties with them. He was with them. And as Christians, if we're going to love like Jesus loves, we need to have time for people. We need to have time for other Christians. Remember the context? Jesus is talking to his disciples. Love like I have loved you. And if our lives are so full and we haven't got capacity to spend time with other believers, well, friends, we are in error. Because it's Jesus' command that we love people in the way that he loved. And we see Jesus making time for other Christians, sitting with them, talking with them, listening to them. And we need to do that as well. As believers, we need to make time for other Christians. Another thought is this. He continued to love when people got it wrong. Jesus continued to love his disciples when they got it wrong. In Matthew chapter 20, we see his disciples arguing about who's going to have the highest place in the kingdom. And we see Jesus' frustration with that. In Matthew 17, he gets frustrated at their lack of faith, not being able to drive out a demon. In Matthew chapter 16, he um, tells his disciples that he's, that, that he's heading to Jerusalem where he's going to be arrested and um, arrested by the religious leaders, flogged and then executed, and then he's going to rise from the dead. And then Peter calls him aside and says, Jesus, that's never going to happen to you, trying to put doubt, trying to put, trying to put a block in his way. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. His disciples were trying to get in the way of God's plan. And Jesus gets frustrated. And even though he's frustrated, he continues to love them. In Matthew chapter 26, we see Peter denying him. And when Jesus has arrested, all his disciples flee. And yet he still comes to them after his resurrection and loves on them and meets with Peter who denied him and, and says, I love you three times and reconciles that relationship with Peter. And as we look at the failings of the disciples, we continue to see Jesus' love for them, that he continued to work with them. He continued to invest in them. He continued to love them, even though they got it wrong. And that's a beautiful picture for us, friends, as our God's church. You know, as God's church, we live in community. And none of us are Jesus. We're called to be like him, but we're none of us are him. None of us get it all right, so we let people down. If you hang out with me long enough, I will let you down. I will hurt you. I will. I'm I'm human. I'm not perfect. And you will hurt me too if we hang out with each other long enough. And when that happens, we're called to continue to love each other. We continue to forgive and release and welcome and keep the journey going. It's easy to cut people off. I'm done with you. That hurt me. I'm done with him. I'm frustrated. That's it. I'm not doing that anymore. But that's not what we see with Jesus. He continued to love his disciples even when they got it wrong. A, um, a few weeks ago, we uh, did this, the uh, Steps to Freedom in Christ course. We uh, did it as a staff and then we had 20 people do it at our Padstow campus and we plan to do it a few times next year. And as you go through the course, it, it deals with the different areas of our lives where we get stuck. And, and one of the areas, one of the biggest areas is around forgiveness or unforgiveness. And one of the tasks the, um, the author asks us to do is to write down the names of everyone who's hurt you and then write down what they did. And then they give you a, a prayer. 
and where you need to insert. And it says, Father, um, Father in heaven, I choose to forgive, insert name, for what they did. And this was, a, this, was a, this was a huge moment for me. It said, because it made me feel. I'll say it again. Father in heaven, I choose to forgive, insert name, for what they did, because it made me feel. And I had to write down what it made, how it made me feel when these people hurt me. And I was fascinated. I was shocked because over half the, the people I had to forgive were for incidents where I felt unsupported. Now, that's something I didn't realize. I was thankful for this course because it showed me that me being unsupported is a big deal in my life. And that's something that I need to now go on the journey of and work out why I feel like I need support and what that means. And the reality is I share that story because we've all got it. We've all got our stuff that, that hurts us. And if we're going to be in Christian community, we need to continue to love, continue to forgive when people do the wrong thing by us. Here's another thought. Jesus shared his weakness. I just shared my weakness with you. And last week when we looked at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we are told that he said, my soul is overwhelmed with, with sorrow to the point of death. That's what he said to his disciples. Jesus showed his weakness, his pain, his hurt. And a beautiful picture of Christian community, Christian love, is when, a, is, is when a believer can share their weakness and their struggle with another believer. And what that does, it allows the other believer to love them and care for them in the way they need it. And then it gives permission for that, for that other believer to share their weakness, to share their struggle. And once, one, when they're both sharing their weakness and struggle, it gives an opportunity for accountability and support. And let's get through this together. The way Jesus loved was us sharing his weakness. Let me care, encourage you that we share our weaknesses with one another so that we can support each other. And finally, the biggest one, the biggest thing that Jesus did for us is that he gave his life for us. You know, the Bible says that none of us are good enough to be accepted by God. We all fail. We all miss his mark. But God loved us so much that he gave his son Jesus who gave his life for us. And when he died on that cross, he took my sin and your sin upon himself. All we need to do is ask him to do it and he will do it and it's dealt with, it's over. And our, and our sin is forgiven. Our relationship with God is restored. Jesus takes the death sentence that we deserved upon himself and we, and we get to spend our eternity with God. He gave his life for us. And just like Jesus sacrificed his life for us, gave his life, if we're going to love others, God wants us to give our life for others where we're deliberately putting someone else's best above ourselves. It says that in Philippians 2. Consider others people's interests above your own. Where we're giving up our time and our resource to see other people flourish. Where we're laying down our agenda for the sake of seeing someone else thrive. These are just four ways where Jesus showed his love for people. There's many, many others. And if we sat, we could talk about many. But there's just four I wanted to highlight today because that's what I sense the Spirit wanted me to, to uh, share with you. So how did Jesus love? How did Jesus love? How are we to love? We are called to love like Jesus loved us. How are we to love? That's the third thing. We are called to love like Jesus loved us. First thing, a new commandment. Second thing, who are we to love? We're called to love believers. We're called to love Christians in this text. 
The third thing, how are we to love? We're called to love like Jesus. The fourth thing, why love? We're told that we should love. Jesus shows us how to love. But in this text, Jesus also shows us why we should love. Look at the text. And you command, I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Why love? Because Jesus has loved us. Jesus has loved us so much that he gave his life for us. He's given us new life, forgiveness of sin, power over death. He's put his spirit in us. He's been so good to us and we respond by loving others. Our motivation in loving others is what God has done for us through his son, that Jesus has loved us and we respond by loving others. So why love? Because Jesus loved us. We respond to his love by loving others. That's number four. And the fifth thing for today, what is the result? What, are the, what is the result of Christians loving each other? Let's look at this text in verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Have you ever met somebody and they're just kind and they're, and they're full of light and they, and they speak life and encouragement and they listen and they're caring and you think to yourself, I reckon that person's just got to be a Christian. There's something about them. They've just got to be a Christian. And so it is here. It's as we love people like Jesus has loved us, people will see, the world would see, will see that we are Jesus' disciples. So what is the result? People will see we belong to Jesus. There'll be something about us that stands out and hopefully they'll want what we got. They're the five things for today. So in summary, let me give you the five things. Number one, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. The second thing he tells us, and that new commandment's about love. He tells us who we should love. And in his text, he says other believers. He, he, we ask the question how we should love and we are to love like Jesus loved us. Why? Our motivation is that Jesus loved us, therefore we should love others. And finally, what is the result? People will see we belong to Jesus. There is our summary for today. You know, I started this message by talking about um, me wrestling with my sons. And it's one of the ways that we display our love for one another. Even as big kids, the kids love wrestling with me. I'm finding it more difficult every time we do it. Now, as we look at Jesus' life, we don't see him wrestling his disciples or becoming Mr. Slam and crash tackling them. But we do see him in his life, living a life of love. And that is what Jesus wants for us. And as I said, Jesus loved us as we look through the scriptures. We can see how he loves people in many, many, many different ways. But, I, but in this message, I sense the Spirit, give me, give me just four things for you. And I've already shared these today. How did Jesus love? He made time for people. He continued to love people when they got it wrong. Even though he was frustrated with them, he still loved them. He shared his weaknesses with them and he gave his life for them. These are just four ways where Jesus loved people. There's many, many others, but I wonder, as you look at these things, I wonder if there's one of those things on this list, just four ways that Jesus loved people that you go, you know what, I need to love people more like that. You might need to make more time for people. As you look at your life, you're not making time for people. Maybe you've shut people off because they've hurt you, because people have let you down, because they've acted poorly and you said, I'm done. But Jesus wants you to continue to love them. 
I wonder how often you're sharing your weaknesses and being vulnerable with others because it gives them permission to be vulnerable. You can get the support you need. It gives other people the, 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 the ability to love you. It gives them the ability to do the thing that Jesus wants for their life. And finally, I wonder how often you're giving your life for others, where you're sacrificing your time, your finance, your attitude, your effort for the sake of other people. As we come to the close in this message, I want to give you 30 seconds just to reflect on these things and say, God, am I loving like Jesus? And the reality is we'll all have areas where God wants us to love people like Jesus loved people. But I encourage you to think specifically about these areas and say, God, is is it one of these areas that I need to be more specific about? I encourage you to pray. Take 30 seconds. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. going to pray. Father, we thank you that you show us what real love is. And real love is described, is shown by how Jesus loved us. Father, we pray that you would show us how we can love you more and that you would give us the ability by your spirit to love you and love other people more. Father, we will be deliberate in our choices to love people more. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this uh, last point here about gave his life, Jesus gave his life for us. And the Bible tells us that when uh, Jesus went to that cross, he took the world's sin, guilt, shame, sickness, disease, death upon himself. But that only becomes a reality in your life if you want it. And if you want to become a Christian, if you want to become a follower of Jesus, it's about saying, Jesus, I want what you've done to become a reality in my life. I want forgiveness of sin and I want to live a life that's all in for you. If you want that, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just pray that prayer, you should become a Christian and we want to help you live a life that's all in. If, if, you're, if you're in one of our physical facilities, I encourage you to go to our Start Here desk and someone there will talk to you about a next step or come to the front for prayer after our service. Or if you're watching this online, I want you to click on the, on the, on the, on the prayer tab And just let us know you prayed the prayer and and one of our team will get in contact with you and help you live a life that is all in for Jesus where you love other people like Jesus loved us. Thanks for being part of it today. I encourage you to go and live a life where you love like Jesus. Be blessed. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 